Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. I'm Paul Tizard, Fear Flying Coach, 25 years. And today's special guest is somebody I've known for absolutely ages. Jack's here today because she's actually been in an emergency landing. We thought it'd be a fantastic story. Welcome. So how, long, how long have we known each other now? It must be. We have known each other since June of 1993. That is frightening. Yeah. That is frightening. I had hair then. You did. Well, I was not going to mention that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't last much longer. Luckily, I've still got mine. <laughs> yes, you have. It. You, you don't look that. Don't look particularly different. If you don't mind saying, I'm not saying. Well, you don't look different either, to be honest. I don't think you look what? any different. You're just missing the hair. Yeah, well, I appreciate. I'll take that. Whether it's true or not, I don't care. And it's audio <laughs> anyway, so no one will know. Yeah, but Jack, Jackie and I, we both started our cabin crew training back in June 1993. Mm. Oh my god! Mm. And then. I think we used to cross paths quite a lot, particularly the first year, maybe 18 months, that we did quite a lot of Airbus flights together. So we ended up often being at Hong Kong or Narita or somewhere like that, yeah. sort of on a crossover type thing, which was pretty cool. But then I, I sort of lost touch with it. But then I I went into the training department and all the rest said, that's that's that story. But then you carried on flying for a bit. Yeah. And then you became a bit of a hero in Virgin. Well, <laughs> It was, I actually was working in recruitment at the time mm. and we used to only fly, as you know, from training every four or three months, I think it was, that we had to do our flight, oh, we had to do our check, didn't we? And I remember going into crewing and trying to pick a nice, easy flight that, you know, oh, we'll take a late LA on a Sunday afternoon that gets back on a Wednesday and it worked out because then I had my days off for the weekend. It was going to be great. And then um, when That's I turned plan. up... That was the plan. That was the plan. And then when I turned up on the Sunday, we were crew missing and they didn't have time to call out enough crew to cover them. And one of the people that was missing was the actual supervisor, the IFS on the flight. And we had three purses. So they kind of said, look, will one of you just take the flight? And I thought, oh, hello, bit of delegation, a bit of paperwork. This, this is getting better. So I said, I'll do that. That's so it fine. didn't put you off having to act. Had you acted up before? Or was that? No, I don't think I had, Paul. No, sorry, that's my turn. So, yeah, so anyway, I took this, this flight and um, we flew out to LA. Really nice crew, nice flight work. It was really enjoyable. Had a lovely time. The weather was great. And then we came home. And obviously, we flew home on the Wednesday and we were due to land in the afternoon, late mm. afternoon, just as it was getting dark. And everything had gone really well. We had a really light we only had, uh, sorry, not light crew, we had a light passenger load of 98 on an Airbus. Some yes. really nice upper-class passengers. It had just been a lovely flight. And then half an hour before we landed, one of the flight deck, who I'd gotten really well with, who was a second officer, Craig, had called me in and said, or come out actually and spoken to me and said, there's a bit of a problem. These are the, not the words you want to hear, are not they? Not really what you want to hear. So we might have to do a bit of a fly around. You know, we've got a problem with the undercarriage. And I just remember thinking, okay, not too panicked at this point. 
Mm. And then they said that um, I, we did a fly around of the tower. So we went and we literally came down and um, they decided, well, I think to start with, I think we kind of did a loop round while everything was sort of looked at and decided what, what the next step was. And then the next step was to have a flyby of the tower that Heathrow. So our engineers had gone up into the um, air traffic control tower and they were going to have a look at the undercarriage. So they flew really low, but they'd said to us and to the passengers that we would not be landing. So although we were appeared to be coming down to land, we were just doing a flyby. Because it's kind of like, um, you know, the um, aborted landings that you have when you when you have a storm or something, particularly in Florida. It's that mm. type of thing because you, you come down really low, but then you 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 go up again quite quickly, yes. quite steeply. Yes. So we did that so that the um, engineers could have a look and see if the undercarriage had come down because that happened and unfortunately it hadn't, the, the wheel hadn't come down on the left. It was just one side, wasn't it? it was yeah, the, the left-hand yeah. side. So so we went up again, obviously while decisions were made again what to what to do. Mm. And we had Tom Barnaby as the captain, him, sorry, Tim Barnaby, Tim Barnaby, and he was an aerobatics champion on small aircraft. So he decided that it would be a good idea to try to um, use positive G-force to, to pull the, mm. basically to pull the, the wheel down. So he, again, we had to speak to the passengers because this was going to be quite a sort of an unusual manoeuvre where we literally went up and down. It was literally up and mm. down like a roller coaster. I've never, that was the worst part of the whole experience. What was going through your mind? At this point, I started feeling really physically sick. And I kept thinking, I can't throw up sat here on a seat in front of, obviously, as the supervisor, I was at the very front of the aircraft facing yeah, the yeah. upper class cabin, more or less. And I kept thinking, how am I going? How am I going to get through mm. this when I felt I literally felt so ill? Because oh, yeah, we, you know, because the thing is, when people listen to this, we cabin crew for me was a long time ago but even now when I go on aircraft I reckon I could operate a flight because the training's so good but you just never expect to have to do any of it really do you, you know it's no. all about what if what if what if and now you're yeah. actually in a real situation oh keep going yeah. it's a good story it's a good story so <laughs> so we did this g-force and we went up and then we sort of zoomed down again anyway this didn't work either how were the passengers um, so, during this? Were they quite calm um, because you're talking? Passengers to them? were extremely calm. That was mm. the surprise. That was the surprising thing that I've always looked back on and thought we had no screaming, no, no crying and shouting or anything. It was all really, really calm. Mm. And then we were told, or I was told, that we were going to have to do an emergency landing. Yeah, and yeah. that the flight deck had been told we needed to go to Gatwick rather than Heathrow because the side winds meant there was less chance of us catching fire on landing. I get so emotional when I talk about this, actually. Uh, Tim said, but he said, we're coming into Heathrow, so you better get in ready for us. <laughs> so you can delete that out if you need to. Um, but that was his actual words on the black box. <laughs> That's official. Brilliant. <laughs> and then... And then basically we prepared, obviously, the cabin. I had to prepare to speak to the, to the crew, which was really difficult because mm. whilst I thought I was calm, I my voice, my legs started to shake. And then my voice, as I was talking to them, was shaking. Yeah, I yeah. could hear it. So I had to hold on to the galley to try to steady my voice because I had quite a lot of, I was only 26, I had quite a lot of young crew mm. on there. 
and one of them had her parents with her whose dad was sat in the flight deck so he was ushered out to back to yes, the seat of course yeah and and then obviously we did the emergency we, we got our abps are they called able bodied able bodied yeah people yep. yeah we got those they were fantastic again no problems with that a man that even left his family and absolutely agreed to help no problem passengers were amazing so the this so if you haven't heard of this this is what what happens is that when you you anyone that sits near an exit you're always automatically assumed to be you know, willing participant to help out if anything's needed. That's why you get a brief if you're sat by the door and they'll say, read the thing. But what happens in an emergency situation, or, you know, which is where we were at this stage, weren't we, is that you have to then do a slightly different brief to say, this is what we want you to do in case something happens to the crew. Because it's always about what if, what if, what if, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's just covering every, you know, mm. it's just ticking all the boxes and making sure that everything's covered. So then... We did, um, we do an, um, an emergency, I'm trying to remember now, you do an emergency. Briefing? Uh, uh, yeah, like a briefing for the, for the passengers. Yes. You know, going through all the things. Obviously, you'd already seen them at the beginning of the flight, showing how to use, you know, showing what to do. But obviously, we went through all of that again. That was all relevant um, mm. to, to the landing at Heathrow, obviously. I can imagine the, the listening ability went up quite significantly oh, oh, I don't think there was anybody yeah looking at their screens or reading their kindle at this point no <laughs> and then and then that was it we were obviously we were given the command to sit down on our seats and we sat down and we came into land and the captain had decided that he was going to land the aircraft on slightly on the right hand side at the left on the right hand side and mm. um, because obviously we didn't have any wheels so he made the decision, which I think potentially saved all our lives, to, he turned off all power to the aircraft, like, like literally all the end, everything. So that, again, to try to stop us catching fire. So we landed with no power. We didn't know this until afterwards, but he landed the aircraft. So as we came into land, we came in really slowly because I've seen, I've seen the video of us coming in. Mm. And we land sort of on the the right side and then the wing obviously and the engines kind of bounce a little bit and spark and then we flew down the runway but for 22 seconds and I've never forgotten that 22 seconds he had no power over the steering because he then had to restart and it took him 22 seconds for the aircraft to regain his control if that makes sense so as we came down the runway we actually he wasn't in control of steering it so we flew down the runway and we came off the actual runway over all the lights it's quite terrifying mm. remember the crew member sat next to me was quite upset on the other side and we could feel all that you could feel all the lights on you know like as you, we went over them as we came yeah, over onto yeah, the grass yeah. and then we just literally fell over as we as we were coming down the runway we fell over onto the left wing and the emergency services blew behind us all the way down the runway and by the time the doors were opened which was within about 15 seconds or something it was ridiculous how quick it all happened mm. um they cut the aircraft was looked like we were in looks like we we're in looks like snow, christmas had come early we were covered in foam and i opened my door but the power assist didn't work so i had to manually which is something we, we always used to get trained to do, wasn't it? Yeah, 
I was like, that, oh gosh, where is it? Where is it? Oh, under that flap. <laughs> so I had to do that. And one of the other doors at the back, I believe, didn't either. I think R4 maybe. And because I just read that. <laughs> and, and then literally the passenger. So I didn't have a passenger come out of my door because we didn't have many passengers. We only had 10 mm. um, at the front anyway. And so they used the other exit, obviously, as my, I was manually inflating mine. Everybody was off the aircraft. And then I checked on the flight deck and said, you know, is it okay to get off? And they said, go, go, go. So I got off and then they followed me off. So me and the flight deck came down my slide and that was it. Yeah. I don't know why I get so much. It's like 24 years ago, but it's quite, Yeah. it was quite a, at the time, it was quite a life-changing experience to go through. I bet it was. Mm. I must admit when I heard about it and then I, knew it was you I thought oh my god we went for our training together yeah first things I thought was well she was always smart but I thought well any anybody will be we all get trained to the same standard but yet but you know I thought yeah she's smart and then I was a bit jealous because I thought <laughs> what a thing to have been through you know to be able to say to be able to talk about that and so yeah. you know, to think about because we get trained in all this stuff backups and what if what if yeah to actually do it I mean amazing to actually go through it and I think I kind of became the person that everybody wanted to fly with because I or me and everybody else because we were supposedly the safest people to fly with because the chances of anything ever <laughs> happening to you on an aeroplane is so so mm. like it, it was just millions to one that yeah so everyone was kind of like oh you know they just wanted to fly with us because they knew they were safe <laughs> after being through that once it wasn't going to well it wasn't going to happen again yeah <laughs> and I can't believe that's 24 years ago I mean, it seems 24 5th of November I remember my own personal thoughts on that flight while it was all while it was all happening in that time that we had and I remember feeling a little bit panicked and having to calm myself down because mm. I my birthday is the 12th of November I was due to be born on the 5th of November. I was a week late. And I had this thing in my head saying, oh, my God, you're going to die on the day that you were due to be born. God, yeah. and, and then I had to keep mm. letting that go. And during the night on the flight, during the, the flight, sorry, over, um, it wasn't a night flight, we had been reading, one of the girls had a book on um, reading your palms, Oh, you wow. had to read palms and things. So, of course, we were all getting our... I just got married, so we were like reading our palms and it was telling you how many children you were going to have. And it was saying that I was going to have children and, and, and all sorts of things. And I was thinking, I can't die today because I haven't had my children yet. Yeah, I've just had my palm read. Exactly. I've just had my palm read. I'm having children. I'm not dying on this flight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes it... Amazing, you know, those sort of situations... Do make you think things like that, don't they? I mean, I haven't, yeah. been, I haven't been in an, uh, in aviation, but I've been in other things. Obviously, I was in the military what long before I was oh, you know, yeah. with cabin crew. But what about that? I was very lucky, you know. But I think when I hear yeah. that, that's like a proper. That's a that's a, such a great story, in, in the fact that everything mm. seemed to come together. You all got out all right. Yeah, you all been able to talk about it. What What would you say that it taught you about? Let's start with commercial aviation what did it make you think about the whole experience of flying commercially as a as a, as a cabin crew person I think it makes you feel I think I suppose now not being in the in those shoes anymore literally in those red shoes anymore I think it's much more comforting and 
you're much more confident flying as a crew member mm. because you feel in control. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as much as I know the flight deck are, are, are in charge of, of landing, clearly I wasn't, when I say I was in control, I actually didn't land the plane, by the way. Um, but, uh, but you feel in control and you feel like every, anything that you would be slightly unsure about is, you know, you, you, you know what it is and you understand and there's just not, there's never anything to worry about. But I think when you sit there as a passenger, it can sometimes make you more nervous because you're not in control. And until somebody tells you something, you don't know anything that's going on. Mm. I think that's a really good point, actually, because I was reading some information that was, I won't say where the source was, but it was talking about, you know, the secret behind call bell chimes and stuff. And I just thought, what a load of rubbish, because it's different for every airline. You can imagine sitting Mm. there, thinking all right it's just it's just bing bong twice what does it mean is it a secret message and all the rest of it and mm. it's just not very helpful is it and that, but no. that is the thing is you don't know what's going on so you do have to put your trust in the cabin crew and yeah. the pilots there's no doubt about it i think also you look to them so i know obviously over the last two years we haven't traveled much as the same as the rest yeah. of the world but mm. we did go to croatia um over the summer and coming home our flight home for some reason and I think it must have been turbulence to be honest I don't actually know they didn't say anything but we did descend really rapidly all of a sudden and we weren't coming into land at the time and I remember sitting there thinking oh because I realized what was what we were doing and I thought oh I hope that's just because we've got turbulence because nobody's mentioned it Mm. and my daughter Francesca was sat next to me and she was kind of like looking at me straight away because you know she she looked and she said is everything all right and I said yes I'm fine why are we doing this and, you know, I suppose there is that feeling, isn't there, where I so straight, I was obviously reassuring her because I'm kind of like, I'm cool. It's like, yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. It straight, yeah. yeah, this always happens like this, it's fine. I said, it's turbulence, it's fine. We're just coming down to, to the, we're missing all the turbulence. But I looked, straight, I, although I said all that to her, I looked to the cabin crew straight away because I thought, what are they doing? And they mm. were just going about their business as if nothing was happening. So I thought, nothing's happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think as passengers... I think what it makes you realise is that the, they really do look to you for reassurance. Mm. I think so. I've often say to people, don't watch the crew and read too <laughs> oh, much into it. Yeah, I do say that because I just because no, I say I say the analogy. If if I came and watched you at your workplace, what would I yeah. conclude? You know, but yeah, I think yeah. in those circumstances, during turbulence and things like that, yeah. look at the crew. They're not bothered. Don't be bothered. Yeah. And the worst that's going to happen in those sorts of situations is the, the pilots might say, crew, sit down, just because it's a bit too yeah, wobbly. because yeah. it's you wobbly, know. yeah. But still, these are not things to worry about. And you've no. actually <laughs> been in a proper, proper situation, and here you mm. are talking about it. Yeah. And it didn't really put me off. I know um, or, or the only thing it did was my next flight because obviously I didn't fly very often because I was in recruitment so it was kind of like a one in a three month flight Mm. which wasn't great really because the best thing to do is to just do it quite quickly so for my birthday I went with a friend as a passenger I think I went as a passenger anyway on on another week later Louise Griffin do you remember Louise Griffin oh yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think I went with her to LA but I went to make myself feel more confident because I knew it was it was literally a week later I went on on a Boeing so you're 
Mm. Your customers might find that weird, but to me, that was just kind of like, it's not an Airbus, it's Boeing. I just felt a little bit more secure to start with for my next flight to fly on a Boeing 747. Yeah. yeah. You've been back on an Airbus since, I guess. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every time we go on holiday, they're all Airbuses now, aren't they, really? Yeah, yeah. But it's um, funny. So you, yeah, and I think I, I like that. I mean, how, how does everyone, how did everyone treat you, you know, all your, because I wasn't around at the time, so I don't really remember seeing you after it happened. I think it was weird because at work, people were, the, the, people were really nice. I think people were, some people were funny because I got promoted after that. Um, yes, I remember Richard, Richard Branson making a big thing about yeah. it, didn't he? Yeah, and he, they promoted me to, I, to IFS from Persa because of what happened. And then I think there was a, apparently, there's a, but there always is a lot, I think there was some comments behind the scenes by certain people do, don't they? It's like mm. people are always happy for you, but but on the whole, everybody everybody wanted to hear the story. So, I've, I mean, and I still do. I mean, this is like a dinner party. This comes up as soon as anyone comes to our house and goes in our cloakroom, where I've got the picture of the air that was presented to us by sure. John Prescott, <laughs> of the aircraft coming in with Hero Pilot's Wheel of Fortune, I think it says. And so, of course, anyone that goes into our toilet says, oh, what's that picture? Why does it say congratulations, Jacqueline, on it? <laughs> so the whole story comes out again. So, yeah. So you're having to retell it all the time. I've told it so many times, yeah. <laughs> Has it got better each time? <laughs> I don't think I, no, I don't, I don't think I've actually elaborated on it because I sometimes wonder if some of the things that I say now isn't exactly what happened. I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure if I've just been telling it for so many years that I don't think so, no. I think it's, I think it's as it was. Yeah. I think it's massively reassuring. Some people who listen to this podcast this might alarm them with some of the things that you said, but it's the thing is we always prepare for the worst case scenario. Mm. And then when that happens, like in your situation, what's in place, you know, because everything's about backups and backups and backups. And, and I know as a result of that incident that they investigated it, work out what had gone wrong. It was a certain type of pin or something that. Was, yeah. That when I say pin, we were talking about these, un these undercarriage yeah. things are yeah, like, yeah weigh tons yeah so this pin's not like a pin pin it's like a massive no, it's rod huge. isn't it and, yeah uh, there was something with that that's been sorted out and that's what aviation does doesn't it so yeah if it if something does go wrong which is very rare you've got trained crew and pilots to deal with it you've got backups you all got off you've got the emergency services got in there they've sprayed it with foam to make it safe yeah and it's just you know it's not not ideal but you all walked away okay yeah. And, and we've learned from it. And that's the thing about commercial aviation is that it's things have to go wrong occasionally in the past for us to learn from it. And th thankfully now, you know, compared to, say, in the 40s and 50s, where lots of stuff happened, you very rarely get anything now. So you know, that's, that's why it's such a great story. And we can talk to somebody like you and say, tell us what happened, you know. <laughs> yeah. What, what about, you know, aside from the, the job itself? May I ask if it had any impact upon you sort of life-wise? Did it make you think anything different or, or not? Yeah, I think it did. I think I think I got, I don't think it, I think I got in a, a slight mess that I didn't realise. I think I can look at it now and realise that actually it did affect me more than I, I let on. There was things that happened to me now that I look at and I think I remember hoovering a couple of days later at home and I caught, 
think I had a piece of material over a over a side table. It's supposed to look nice, I think. And it and I caught the hoover in the bottom of it, and it pulled everything off the table because it went up the hoover, and everything came off the table. And I just remember being hysterical about mm. that, rather than just being like, "Oh my God, you know, for God's sake!" I literally burst into tears, and and it was just this huge drama. And on a, my when I went to pick my car up from the airport the following day, it broke down on the way home. It was just like when I was obviously not having a good week. <laughs> it wasn't my week. There's the hoovering <laughs> incident. It's the car yeah, breaking down. Really emergency week. landing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So I broke down, and a guy that had a um, in, I pulled into this car park that was um, a big pub car park, and there was a man that had a what they call those vans that sell burgers and things, and he was setting up in there. So he came out to help me. Mm. And I'm so relieved because he's trying to help me sort my car out that I'd overheated or whatever it had done. And um, and then this lady, this woman, who's obviously his girlfriend or wife, came flying in this car into the car park, jumped out of the car, started screaming at me, screaming at him because he was helping me. And I just remember saying to her, <laughs> what happened to me yesterday? I'm going to the papers today because it was all over the front page of the newspaper because this was the day after. And she was kind of like, <laughs> so I, I did react, overreact yes. a little bit in certain yeah. things I wouldn't normally in day to day life. Yeah, and, well, it's uh, understandable, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then my husband wasn't great either, which that didn't help because when I phoned him to tell him what had happened, because I thought he would hear everything on the news and it was all over, you know, mm. and he said he was in a rush to get me off the phone because he was at work and was, oh, oh, okay, but um, you're okay now. So do you need me to pick anything up on the way home? Do we need milk or anything? Oh, and my God. I just remember How being much trouble I said, you? Yeah. And I said, I'm at the airport. You have to come and get me. I can't, we can't mm. leave. We're in a hotel at the moment having a briefing. And he was like, oh. And he, he said he did drive to the airport and it wasn't until he got near Heathrow and it was just packed with news crew and he said he struggled to get to where I was but he realized oh actually this was quite a big thing how so, much yeah. making up did he have to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> you were in trouble mate oh my it god huge trouble yeah well I guess because also you're you're pretty calm about stuff you know and you're talking about it often people when they've been through stuff and they talk about it afterwards they just say yeah yeah yeah, could you come and get me? And they're very matter of fact about it. Yeah. You probably didn't quite pick up the enormity of what you've just what done. Happened. You know? and, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a phenomenal thing. And it's such, I mean, I just feel so chuffed that I know you. And I remember when it <laughs> happened thinking, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yes, I, I know Jack. Oh, yeah. Go back a long way. <laughs> yeah. I just thought, to the just, ditching in the swimming pool. Yeah, that's <laughs> sure. right. Well, I just think it's, and bizarrely, you know, when you think about what are the chances of you being on that flight, you know, so you're, you don't, mm. you're flying once every three months, you know, just to yeah. keep in check because you're working recruitment. Yeah. And you're, you know, you've gone on as a person, they've needed someone to act up as the supervisor. You've done that. And there you go. Mm. You've had that, what well, you thought was going to be a nice, easy flight. Well, it was up until that point, wasn't it? I know. I'm not sure if I ever did get that paperwork done. I think I did, yeah, because it was the end of the flight, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they probably let you off. Let's be honest. It's probably not a big deal. <laughs> so something I always ask people at the end of these podcasts is, particularly for nervous flyers, is if you had to say one thing that, you know, one sort of message or something that would be helpful for nervous flyers to think about in light of your experience, what, what might that be? 
I think, I think if I was talking, I would just say that they just need to stay calm. First and foremost, I think people panic because of the unknown. And so they work themselves up and then they over breathe, which then starts to get the anxiety going. So I would say to just, when you are feeling nervous, just take deep breaths mm. and just realize that it's the safest, safest mode of transport that you could be walking out in the street and get, I mean, God forbid, get hit by a car. You could have a car accident. You, you know, there's more chance of you you know, there's more chance of something happening to you outside the front of your house than there is yeah. on an aeroplane. Mm -hmm. So with that in your mind, just try to, to stay calm by just controlling. I think it's breathing. Because mm -hmm. I think when you keep your breathing calm, it calms your whole body. And what about the, the safety side? What would you, what has this incident taught you in terms of commercial aviation generally? It teaches you that the training is there for a reason mm -hmm. and that it actually does stick in there. You might, we might struggle with our SCP every year when you have to go through and try to remember everything for your exams. But actually, it's amazing where when you are faced with something, mm. it is actually it is in there. And I also think common sense as well takes over. So I think you you just go into automatic mode a little bit. So I think, again, you know, I think it probably, it taught me, the biggest thing it taught me is that actually an aircraft can get into trouble and you can still all come out of it completely safely and walk away. Yeah. And that the flight deck earn every penny that they get paid. Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, yeah, well, they can uh, on certain days earn, <laughs> earn yeah. their, their yeah. keep. Yeah. And I think that's it, isn't it? Because it's, you know, most of the training that you go through and the pilots go through is all about the what if, isn't it? And this, you, mm. So like the pilots haven't seen their simulator details every six months, the, the hell they have to go through just to keep their license. Just, I find massively reassuring. And yeah, and quite a lot of the pilot speakers that I've known over the years will say a good flight's a boring flight. You know, that's, you're there yeah. for yeah. what if. You're, and in this situation, that's when the skills come out and all your training and everything comes together. And I think it's just remarkable. And I'm, I feel very honoured to know you and oh. so grateful for you coming on and doing this, this chat. And I don't know why you popped into my head because I think, so I'm always thinking about who do I know would be a great guest on here, you know, and, uh, and I th you popped into my head. I thought, I'm going to try you. See if you, you were, <laughs> and I was impressed. You came straight back. And so I thought, so I'm so grateful. Thank I think you. I had a glass of wine. It was my birthday, wasn't it? <laughs> Was it that day? Yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? I can't remember, but I've, but I've had a glass of wine, I'm sure. I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Oh, man, funny. Yeah, well, I'm so, I'm really grateful. And and I think for what some of the things you said, although people might not want to think about this type of stuff, you're, you're just proof that the training works and that, you know, it's not changed yeah. you and that cabin, still fly. And... Yeah, and that cabin crew aren't there, but what you know, for serving tea and coffee. That, you know, they are, that that's an additional part of their job which is comfort, comforting for the for the crew, for the passengers on board. But actually, they are there for the safety of all those passengers around. And that's why even to this day, and I'm sure you probably find this, I do find it slightly annoying when I sit on a flight and I watch those poor crew trying to do the demonstration at the beginning of the flight with people reading their Kindles, mm. looking out the window, looking at their phones, not paying attention at all. 
Yeah. Um, because they really don't realize, you know, how important that might actually be yeah. and how they might need to be aware of what they're being told. Brilliant. Couldn't put it better myself. Love that. <laughs> Just what a great message to end on. Uh, Jack, thank you so, so much for your time wow. and for your sharing your story. I'm really grateful. And I think people are going to love listening to this. So thank you. I hope so. That's so lovely to see you.